Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to episode 58 of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, before we do begin today's episode, I do want to address another very unfortunate tragedy that occurred on Wednesday. And this is regarding former Dallas Cowboys Pro Bowl running back Marion Barber, a.k.a. Marion the Barbarian. Now, unfortunately, he was found dead in his apartment by Frisco police after a welfare check was called to them in regards to a neighbor who apparently had a water leak that was coming from his apartment into their apartment. And once police actually forced their way inside, they eventually did find Marion Barber unconscious and unfortunately gone. Now, this is truly sad as we just lost um, former TCU standout cornerback Jeff Gladney on Monday, who was a DFW area standout. And Marion Barber was the same exact way. Through his six seasons that he played with the Dallas Cowboys, he finished with them rushing for about 4,700 rushing yards and 53 rushing touchdowns. And his most famous season that he did have with the Dallas Cowboys came in 2007 when he ran for 975 yards and 10 touchdowns while also um, earning a Pro Bowl selection. Now the craziest part about that whole season is not the fact that he made a lot of famous plays, but the fact he didn't even start one single game for the Dallas Cowboys that year, that year as he was splitting time with former Dallas Cowboys running back Julius Jones. So Marion Barber was pretty much kind of classified always as the beast mode before there was a beast mode and he absolutely deserved that title as he played with a hard nose old school style play and it was really sad to see as once he did retire from the NFL he slowly did start to have a decline as back in unfortunately 2014 Marion Barber he was detained by Manfield police and was taken to a hospital for a mental health evaluation and then I'm not going to go too too much into it from that point on if, if you really are curious just you can you know check into it yourself but unfortunately I do think and what a lot of people think as well is this whole incident has something to do possibly with CTE which in case you don't know what CTE is CTE is a brain disease that occurs once your brain has taken a lot of traumatic hits or any type of contact to you know your brain and it kind of deteriorates it over time causing a lot of mental breakdowns mental you know health issues or just whatever it might be with your body as well so it's really a tragic thing and the worst part is is that we haven't found a way to be able to detect it while people are still alive as we've seen former NFL Hall of Famer Junior Seau who unfortunately did end up committing suicide he did suffer from cte but you know we wouldn't have known because unfortunately we can't detect it so hopefully there will be you know some way we're able to detect and unfortunately a lot of people are speculating that cte does have a huge role in this but unfortunately you know let's not speculate and let's just truly remember the life that marion barber did have but you know unfortunately we did lose another great you know, football player, but most importantly, we lost another human being. So rest in peace, Marion Barber. I mean, I've got his signed jersey hanging in my room. So I really did love the way he played the game of football. And I loved watching him at Minnesota too during his college days. So it's truly sad to see, you know, another just human being pass away dude unfortunately probably suffering from some mental issues and we all suffered through it and i think you know and i hope that one day we will have a cure for cte but anyway guys let's get into today's episode and we actually do have some pretty interesting news to talk about the arkansas razorbacks they will be retaining coach sam Pittman through the 2026 season as they sign him to a new contract extension Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, he believes that Ohio State will at least have to pay, you know, athletes 
$13 million in NIL money to retain them at Ohio State. And I'll kind of explain why this, you know, could be a bad thing going into, you know, future years in college football. We also have some NFL news. The Atlanta Falcons, they're bringing back their retro red helmets during this season. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. Longtime quarterback in the NFL, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. Ryan Fitzmagic. He has announced his retirement from the NFL as well as a couple other pretty big-name players. And then to finish off the episode for today, guys, we're just going to discuss, you know, the start of the NBA Finals as the game as the first um, game between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics occurred on Thursday. But unfortunately, I am recording this on Thursday. So Monday, we will discuss, you know, the past two games of the NBA, NBA Finals as Game 2 will be played on Saturday. But anyway, guys, before we do begin today's episode, I do want to make sure that y'all are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce on both of those platforms. Link will be down in the description also as well guys if you do love sports content or just love sports news every single day please make sure you're following those you know two accounts but anyway guys let's get right into today's episode and the first news that we have is regarding Arkansas now Arkansas they've kind of found some recent success when they got the hire of Sam Pittman now despite Sam Pittman's first season with the Razorbacks going three and seven while playing an all SEC schedule Sam Pittman immediately bounced back and won nine games with the Razorbacks going 9-4 and four in the 2021 campaign. And he actually beat some notable teams in LSU, Texas A&M, and then Penn State. But during that season, Sam Pittman did something at Arkansas that no head coach has done for about a decade. And that was win nine games in a season. The last head coach to do that. And Arkansas fans are probably going to kind of quince when I say this name. But Bobby Petrino, who won 11 games for the Razorbacks back in 2011. But anyway... The Arkansas Razorbacks and head coach Sam Pittman agreed on a new contract extension that will pay him roughly $6 million annually while also, incre- uh, while also including a guaranteed retention bonus in his new contract. He's also set to make exactly $6 million this season and his salary will continue to increase by hundred grand every year over the remainder of his contract. Now, also, the school and the coach, they also have a thing in the contract that would allow him to, you know, come back in the 2027 campaign if both sides are wanting to, obviously, from the way it looks and how Sam Pittman has done in the recruiting and transfer portal cycles. It's looking like he'll probably be at Arkansas for at least a good while, if you know what I mean. But anyway, this is absolutely good news for Arkansas fans as he's pretty much revitalized a program that seemed to be dying because before Sam Pittman even came to Arkansas... Um, Arkansas hadn't even won an SEC game in two years up to that point. They had former Clemson offensive coordinators, Chad Morris, who was their head coach for a couple seasons. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, I know they didn't have the players that they once did, but, man, to not win a single SEC game is something only Vanderbilt should be able to accomplish. And, obviously, Vanderbilt continues to, you know, astound everyone every single year. But a school and program like Arkansas that historically has been known as one of the blue bloods of college football was not a good thing and I'm hoping you know Sam Pittman can at least bring Arkansas back up to where it should be as they did reach number eight nationally last season after they started the season four and oh with obviously the big wins coming against um Texas but anyway congrats to Sam Pittman on absolutely getting the bag from Arkansas and congratulations to Arkansas on keeping a head coach that I think will have long-term success with the Razorbacks but anyway guys the next news we are going to talk about is regarding Ohio State Ryan Day 
and actually an announcement he made to some Columbus Business Community Convention on Thursday, um, Thursday morning more specifically. Now on Thursday, Ryan Day said to the public that he believes it will take roughly $13 million from the local business community to keep the Buckeyes roster intact. So exactly how it is with C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Emeka Egbaku. I mean, it. He's. He said all of those guys is going to roughly take about thirteen million dollars. So it doesn't really surprise me because we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks nowadays. If you're about a five star or even a four star, you're going to be making roughly about one and a half to two million. And then to keep a lot of star-studded wide receivers, corners, edge rushers, defensive, you know, defensive players, it's going to cost them roughly about a million for each of them, and probably a little bit more if they are a five star. Now, even Ryan Day himself had said that his staff that Ohio State staff has been gathering information regarding the cost of recruiting these top tier athletes to Ohio State like they always do year and year but he also said through discussions with recruits and their families Day believes that the top quarterbacks could require a minimum of $2 million in NIL money, while offensive tackles and edge rushers require probably about $1 million so if this is true this is really not good for a lot of smaller schools in, you know, the college football just world. Because think about it, schools that probably could easily, you know, fund this would be schools like Georgia, obviously Alabama, Ohio State, USC, Texas, probably Texas A&M. They've already kind of seemed to be doing it. And it's just insane the amount of money now that schools are going to be having to literally fund through their NIL programs just to get kids to come to their schools, which does kind of raise the question are we going to start are we going to start you know seeing kind of the downfall of the whole underdog team because if schools are going to be pulling in all these kids a lot of these schools that could maybe occasionally get one five star maybe they'll get you know a couple four stars a year they're not going to be getting these kids because they'll probably only end up getting maybe one to two four stars every couple years as a lot of these kids are going to take these huge contract deals and go to a big school even though they won't play they'll at least be guaranteed money you know, in the long run, and then maybe they might transfer later on, which is still, you know, obviously it is concerning because now it's like it really is about who has a lot more community funding, which can be good and bad for some of these small schools too because they're going to get outbid nine times out of ten, especially like Houston, for example. If Houston and Texas, let me just kind of use these two schools. Houston is a very underrated football program. They have been for the longest time. They've made a lot of runs to possibly make the college football playoff. You know, they would lose probably one or two games, and then it's like, oh, okay, then they're back to being, you know, poverty, but they're not. Anyway, when you look at that whole area, the Houston, Austin, San Antonio, that whole area, nine times out of ten, a kid is going to choose the Longhorns over Houston or UTSA or whatever you might have it, and now that NIL is especially included in this, they're going to choose Texas because those Texas boosters or community funders or even companies that support UT, they're going to absolutely pay the heck out of a lot of these kids to come down to UT and ball for them rather than, you know, Houston or possibly even UTSA as we're kind of seeing a reemergence in them. But even that, the whole state of Texas, because now it's looking like A&M and UT are going to control the whole thing from now on because schools like Tech and TCU and Baylor, who they do have decent funding, but they don't have the funding that these two schools have. They're going to get screwed in the whole Texas recruiting scene because kids, once again, and I don't blame them, are going to want to get paid if they're able to get paid. And that's exactly what they're going to get by going to A&M and UT. 
But anyways, I'm not going to rant too much about it. But I thought it was pretty interesting the fact that at least another you know college coach is acknowledging the fact that, hey, you know, I'm going to have to have a lot more money being spent just to keep kids at my school and to continue to, you know, absolutely dominate the country year in, year out because that's what Ohio State does. They are a blue blood of college football, and now they're going to have to, you know, pay the price of being a blue blood in college football, and absolutely they will be paying the price if they have to keep roughly, or not keep, they have to pay roughly $13 million a year just to keep their roster the exact same. But also that doesn't count the fact that they're going to also have to eventually spend money in recruits. They're going to have to spend, you know, recruiting trips and yada, yada, yada on top of the money they already spend every single year. So, yeah, this is definitely going to end up becoming whose boosters support their team the most. And this is definitely going to be interesting to see in the college football landscape in these next couple of years. Obviously, the NCAA, they're already trying to make some pushes and rule changes and everything like that. So it doesn't end up turning into just a full-on auction and bidding war between you know schools because that's what it is right now. We saw it with USC and Texas when they are trying to get Jordan Addison. Those schools seemed like they were going to do absolutely everything. And when I say everything, I mean we're talking 100 grand in McDonald's bags, everything to get the, get that kid to come to their school. Ultimately, he chose USC which is likely due in fact that, A, they already have Caleb Williams, who is a Heisman contending quarterback, and the fact that there's a lot more NIL deals out there in Los Angeles. But also, two, is gonna, he's gonna, his draft stock's going to increase by a lot because USC is going to kind of return back to fame. Nothing against Texas, but Texas, they already have a huge amount of wide receiver commits. They probably weren't going to be able to pay him the same amount USC was. And it had already been pre-rumored that he was going to USC because apparently they were tampering, according to Pittsburgh's head coach, which doesn't really shock me at all because that's kind of how college football has been. So it is sad to see that we're kind of getting into this phase of college football where a lot of these big-name schools are just going to go to these smaller schools who have some elite talent that they kind of missed out on. are going to be like, hey, I'm going to give this kid $500,000. There's nothing you can do about it because we're not doing it illegally. And then that kid's going to quote-unquote just randomly enter the transfer portal and then commit to that school about a week or two later so I really hope college football does not turn exactly into that I mean these guys deserve to get paid they've always deserved to get paid because they're one of the more or college football is one of the most watched sports in America and obviously these kids are a big reason in that because of the competition they bring so they deserve to get a piece of the change a piece of the pie whatever you might want to say but at the same time, there does need to be some type of restriction so we're not just having full-on NFL 2.0 free agency occurring in college football. Now, guys, I'm done with my rant. Let's get on to the next news. Now, this next news is regarding former Arkansas running back Traylon Smith. Now, Traylon Smith, he originally committed to TCU on January 30th after entering the transfer portal on New Year's Day. This was after coming with a pretty decent career at Arkansas. And before he was at Arkansas, he actually played at Arizona State for two seasons, the 2017 and 2018 season. So Traylon has definitely had a lot of time in college football. But anyway, it was reported on Tuesday that Traylon Smith would not be coming to TCU. This is largely due in fact that this is his final year of eligibility. He would not be getting a lot of playing time due to the fact that TCU is beyond stacked at the running back position with guys like Imari DiMercato, Kendra Miller, and Louisiana of Lafayette running or former running back Imani Baylor. So TCU is beyond stacked, and it never made really any sense why he did come to TCU due to the fact that he is going into his final year of eligibility. 
and he's likely going to want to be a starter at another school. But anyway, Wednesday, Traylon officially made his, his announcement on where he's going to go. And this was the same day after he did decommit from TCU. Now, he announced that he would be going down to San Antonio and joining the UTSA Roadrunners. And I actually don't like, I mean, I actually don't mind this. I think this is a good pickup for the Roadrunners is they kind of had a crazy year this past year. I mean, but no one expected them to even have the record they did, and that was 12-2. and They lost their bowl game to San Diego State, but they also did win the Conference USA Championship. So they had a really impressive you know, year, and I think obviously them getting Traylon Smith, who's a veteran running back, will obviously be a huge pickup for the Roadrunners. But anyway, I just wanted to let you all know about a pretty decent running back that had entered the transfer portal and then immediately committed once he did decommit from the school we wanted to commit to. But anyway, guys, for our final college football news of today's episode, it's actually regarding Georgia. Now, it's not commitment news. It's not high school commitment news or transfer portal commitment news. It's, it's actually it has nothing to do with any type of player. It's actually regarding some new uniforms that Georgia actually released on Wednesday. They didn't officially release them, but they were released via some uh recruitment trip pictures now in case you don't know a lot of players they like to you know get full dressed you know f pretty much full decked out in the, t the school's you know uniform that they are visiting and they'll, they'll take a bunch of pictures and some of these are actually pretty cool and george is known to have some of the best now during a recruiting trip on uh wednesday these pictures were released to the internet and it and it actually showed georgia having a full-blown just white uniform set they had the white helmet it still has the normal g logo but there is a red white and black strap going down the or stripe going down the middle of the helmet with a white face mask and a white i guess you could say core of the helmet and it actually looks pretty sick i have a picture on the official instagram of the cover set with mason pierce podcast make sure you go check it out but these uniforms are actually pretty sick, and I hope we do see Georgia wearing these. We know they've come out with some black jerseys, white alternates, you know, little helmet changes. But they have never really had a white helmet like this. I mean, it's icy white, so this will be really cool for Georgia if they do because it'll kind of add some more spice while still having the old, you know, the old, how do you want to say it, the old just look. But but anyways, guys, but I just wanted to let y'all know about Georgia and the fact that they actually will be having some new uniforms this season. They will be debuting their icy white uniforms. But anyway, guys, that wraps up today's college football segment. So let's transition over to some NFL news. Now, for the first NFL news that we have for today's episode, this will be regarding the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Atlanta Falcons, they're not caught in any type of gambling controversy or any type of weird releases or trades. This time, it's actually some pretty cool news. Now, the Atlanta Falcons back in the 70s or sometime back in that time period, they wore these red helmets with the black bird on them, and they looked really cool. Now, when the NFL announced that they would allow teams to wear two helmets a year, obviously due to finally kind of loosening up on the whole one helmet rule, we immediately knew what a lot of teams were going to do, like the Philadelphia Eagles with their uh, Kelly Green helmets and it, it was just really cool being able to have a lot of these uniforms back. Now, the Atlanta Falcons, this is the first time we will actually see a team wear their new throwback uniforms this season. Now, Atlanta announced on Wednesday that they will be bringing back the red helmets, obviously the iconic helmet, but it will only be coming for one game. Now, this game will be played at, on Week 6 against the San Francisco 49ers at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so it will be a home game for the Falcons as they will be taking on 
probably the Trey Lance-led San Francisco 49ers. Now, the red helmet, it will also have a gray face mask along with a black Falcons crest logo with a white trim, and it will be worn with the team's throwback black jerseys with white numbers and red trim. The helmet will also be similar to the team's original with a black stripe down the middle trimmed in white and gold. So these things look really cool. And apparently the gold stripe, the gold uh, streak design, it was created to honor both of the major college programs in the state, the University of Georgia and then Georgia Tech. So I think this is pretty cool as rivals are literally being, you know, united together in this helmet. And I've got the pictures on Excuse me, guys. I've got the pictures on the Instagram as well of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast, and they look pretty cool. So we will finally be seeing a team with a different helmet in late October. So huge news for the NFL. I'm so glad they loosened up on the whole one helmet rule because it was getting a little ridiculous. As you know, Oregon, they have a different helmet every single game. And now we finally will be able to see some NFL teams actually give out some, you know, personality for once. But anyways, guys, the next news I have, and these next couple news, they're going to be regarding a lot of retirements. For some reason, these past couple days, a lot of longtime players have decided to announce their retirement. And the first player that I do want to talk about, it's regarding Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers defensive lineman, Stephon Tuitt. Now, Stephon Tuitt, he was drafted back in the 2014 draft out of the second round coming out of Notre Dame. And on Wednesday, he actually announced his retirement from the NFL, which at the conclusion of his career, he has played 91 games for Pittsburgh, starting 79 of them. He also finished his career with 34 and a half sacks and 246 tackles. He also had a breakout season in 2020 when the Pittsburgh Steelers had that pretty decent 11-0 start to the season with a career-high 11 sacks and 10 tackles for loss. So he was absolutely dominating for the Steelers. Probably was going to be a long time great for them, but due to some very unfortunate incident that did happen in his life where he lost his brother Richard back in 2021 due to a hit and run incident and then also the fact that he graduated from Notre Dame he kind of felt it was best he moved on from football and I totally respect that I mean football is not going to last forever obviously there is life from football and Stephon Tewitt exactly you know he exactly did that now Stephon Tewitt he will retire at the age of 29 so he is still very very young but I'm very glad that he was able to accomplish what he wanted during his time in the NFL and that he will move on to other things so congratulations Stephon on an amazing career and I hope you find what you want in your life post NFL and the next news we have this will be regarding seven-time Pro Bowl center Alex Mack now Alex Mack after spending one season with the 49ers last year and actually earning his seventh Pro Bowl selection he would go on to announce on Thursday that he would be retiring from the NFL after 13 seasons. Now, he was actually selected as an all-decade selection for the 2010s, and he was most notably known as the one of the best centers in the NFL. He spent his first seven seasons in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns before he signed a deal with the Atlanta Falcons, where he pretty much kept their O-line intact for the five seasons he was down there in Atlanta. Now... After that contract was up with the Falcons, he decided to sign a one-year deal with the San Francisco 49ers in 2021. And Alex Mack will finish his career starting 196 regular season games in his whole career. And also, he didn't even miss a game in his in 11 of his 13 seasons in the NFL, which means he played all 16 and then 17 seasons or 17 games in the 2021 campaign. So, very amazing, you know, career for Alex Mack. We could possibly see him as a third baller, so Hall of Famer, because 
he did have a huge impact for the teams he played for as he did lead San Francisco to have I think it was about the like seventh best rushing attack in the NFL which is really decent especially for a team that didn't you know didn't have a healthy Raheem Mostert and they relied heavily on third round pick um, Elijah Mitchell who was very good and kind of broke out for the San Francisco 49ers but anyways Seven-time Pro Bowler Alex Mack has officially announced his retirement from the NFL. Now, the next news we have is not regarding a guy that would go down as one of the greatest, you know, greatest careers of all time or anything like that, but was one of the most liked players probably in NFL history. And this is regarding Ryan Fitzpatrick, aka Ryan Fitzmagic. Now. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he did have a very interesting career. He played for nine NFL teams spanning his 17 seasons in the NFL. Now, popular throughout his career with his team and even teammates, was known for him having this huge Viking-style beard. I mean, it was absolutely (laughs) gigantic. But anyway, after he signed a deal with the Washington football team, during the 2021 offseason, he would end up get, suffering a season-ending hip injury in the second quarter of the um, Washington football team's game against the Chargers back in September, which kept him out, obviously, for the whole season. And a lot of people were figuring that he would end up retiring due to the fact that he is getting a lot older. And obviously, you know, teams aren't really going to have too much of a use for him. Now, he's only 39, so he's not old, old, but in NFL terms... That is decently getting up there in age. So, you know, obviously teams are going to want to move in a younger direction. But anyway, on Thursday, Brian Fitzpatrick announced his retirement to his dad via a text message and then also would go on to text some of his former teammates just saying them thank you and forever grateful for everything that you did for me, which was really cool of him to do because he was recognizing the guys that put him in the position he was in to begin with. Now, for some statistics about Ryan Fitzpatrick, in his 17 seasons in the NFL, he started 147 games, throwing for 34,000 yards and 223 touchdowns with 169 interceptions. So he at least did have a positive touchdown-to-interception ratio to finish off his NFL career. And the craziest part is he began his career as a 7th round pick coming out of Harvard to the St. Louis Rams back in 2005. Now the teams that he did play for and you know you're probably going to be like oh my gosh I'm going I'm just going to list it for y'all the Bengals, the Bills, the Titans, the Texans, the Jets, the Buccaneers, the Miami Dolphins and then the Washington Football Team. Which I know when you say it out loud it's not it doesn't sound like that much but he's kind of, you know, mostly known for being a journeyman in the NFL. Now he started all now he actually did start games for all nine of those teams he played for which is an NFL record among quarterbacks now unfortunately for Ryan he never did actually make the playoffs during his career as most of the time the teams he would start for were probably teams that were bottom feeders and never really had a chance to make the playoffs ever at all so but he did have a very historic quarterback not obviously a hall of fame career but will always you know go down in history as one of the most underrated quarterbacks ever Now, for our final retirement news, this is going to be um, regarding future Hall of Fame running back Frank Gore. Now, Frank Gore, who last played in the NFL back in 2020 as a 37-year-old running back, and yes, you heard that right, he was still getting starting reps in the NFL as a 37-year-old. Now, Frank Gore, he just announced that he will reportedly sign a one-day contract and will retire as a member of the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday which obviously is today of the making of this episode. Now, Frank Gore had already announced he was going to do this back in April, that he was going to sign with the San Francisco 49ers, which were the team that drafted him after he was coming out of Miami. 
and rightfully so. I mean, he had a very good career with the 49ers. Even after leaving the 49ers, he still went on to have amazing seasons. Now, Frank Gore, throughout his whole career, he managed to rush for at least 1,000 yards nine times out of all those seasons You know, over the period of his career. And he also made the Pro Bowl five times. Now, he will leave the NFL as the 49ers all-time leading rusher, which is obviously a huge accomplishment to begin with. And throughout his 10 seasons with the 49ers, he did eclipse 11,000 rushing yards. So, I mean, dude was just a beast. I mean, you could not stop him at all. And I mean, not one bit. Now, Frank Gore, he will end his career as the number three all-time leading rusher in NFL history. And the two running backs that he is trailing, you know, to get to that number one spot are the Hall of Fame running backs in Emmitt Smith and Walter Payton, which are some of the biggest names in NFL history. So, Frank Gore obviously deserves the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's without a doubt. This shouldn't even be a question. Yes, he may not have been one of the most well-known running backs in NFL history, but in my opinion, he is the most underrated running back of all time because the statistics he put up as well as his impact on the field was something you rarely see. And the fact that he was not a top draft pick either, he was actually a lower-round draft pick, was just absolutely insane for the career that he was that he managed to be able to put up. Now, for the team that he played with during his post-San Francisco career were the um, Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Indianapolis Colts. So, And another cool thing about Frank Gore, before I do let y'all you know, off the hook about all the retirement news, Frank Gore has actually started a new profession. Now, Frank Gore, he made his boxing debut back in May, and he actually did get a knockout victory over Yaya Ola Ronsola, which I have no clue who that is, but the fact that Frank Gore is immediately dominating in another sport is absolutely amazing. Could we possibly see Frank Gore end up becoming a major boxer? Who knows? That would be really cool. But anyways, longtime NFL running back and soon-to-be Hall of Famer Frank Gore has officially announced his retirement from the NFL. Now, guys, for our final NFL news of today's episode, this will be regarding Madden Madden NFL 23 and the cover coach that will actually be on Madden 23. EA had announced on Wednesday that Pro Football Hall of Fame head coach and Raiders legendary NFL color analyst and namescape of obviously one of the highest selling video games of all time in Madden. He will be returning to the cover for Madden NFL 23 after not being on the cover for about roughly two decades now. Now, these are actually some pretty cool designs that they made for John Madden as he will be on all three versions of Madden NFL 23. You know, you've got like the deluxe, the ultimate, and then the regular copy. He will be the um, cover on all of those. If you want to look it up, you can go look it up on Twitter. Or if you're feeling really generous, go look on the official Instagram. But anyway, guys, besides that, I think it's really cool that they are actually, you know, at least making this considering that, you know, unfortunately John Madden just passed earlier this year, that he will be returning to madden and finally be the cover again as this game really was made by john madden that his name is in the game's title so it's really cool that we will be seeing john madden as the cover coach for madden nfl 23 now guys let's talk about our final topic of today's episode and this will be the 2022 nba finals as game one is taking place tonight on thursday night between the boston celtics and the golden state warriors the game will be played out in san francisco and this this series is absolutely set up to be a a historic nba finals as the celtics are coming off an amazing regular season the golden state warriors as well and i really just wanted to ask you guys as the audience one simple question 
What are y'all's predictions for this series, and who do you think will end up coming out as the NBA champion? Now, in my opinion, I do think the Celtics will probably win in six. Now, Golden State could absolutely shock the world and win the. I, no, it's, I, no, for me, it's kind of more of a toss-up. I think Golden State and Boston are both kind of evenly matched up. They've got really good defenders, and they've also got some elite offensive players. And it's gonna. I mean, obviously, it's gonna be a great series. But in my opinion, I do think Boston might very, you know, very, and I mean very, very, very barely edge out against the Golden State Warriors, you know, winning the series 4-2. to two. But, I mean, it's just, I feel like it could go both ways. I feel like Golden State could also win the series 4-2 to two as well in 6. So, it'll be really interesting to see how this series goes out. I'm really excited to watch it tonight as... I really, I don't really know what to expect. Golden State is healthy for the most part. Boston's healthy for the most part, and it, and it's looking to be a very good NBA Finals. Now the, now I did, now I almost completely forgot about this news, so I do want to report it as well as our kind of final news to talk about in today's episode. LeBron James has officially become the first NBA player or current NBA player to become a billionaire. So LeBron James finally did reach a billion dollars as he's. You know, he made history, I guess you could say, in becoming the first NBA player to actually reach $1 billion while still playing. So it was not shocking. LeBron James is going to make a billion dollars regardless anyway, but is now official. And it actually comes while he is still playing in the NBA. So congratulations to LeBron. But anyway, guys, that kind of wraps up today's episode. I hope you all did enjoy today's episode. I know I obviously enjoyed making it for you all. Once again, guys, if you are feeling really generous and want to help support the podcast a little bit more, Anchor.com has this monthly supporter system where if you just pay $4.99, a.k.a. $5 a month, it allows me to help better the quality of this podcast, allows me to eventually give you all some exclusive perks. And then who knows, if we meet, if we uh, reach a milestone, I might be able to do some giveaways. So, But anyway, guys, I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. I hope you all have a fantastic Friday and rest of y'all's day. And I will see you all back here on Monday. Peace, guys.